All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely, beautiful wife, Nika. Well, thank you, lovely husband. Lovely husband. Lovely wife, lovely husband. Things are starting off good for us on this Wednesday morning. It is Wednesday, April 26th, 2023, and Nika, what happened in baseball last night? It was a... Upside down world of baseball. The upside down world of baseball. Um, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, my, the teams ho- we were hoping are going to win didn't. And <laughs> a lot of teams lost their winning streaks. Yes. As they say, all good things must come to an end. And for the Pirates, the Rays, and the Orioles, it is over. It is over. So. Man. Time to start a new winning streak, I guess. Maybe the teams that are that have won yesterday, they're going to go on a winning streak. So we're going to watch for those teams now. Absolutely. Well, the Pirates uh, lost a heartbreaker at home to the Dodgers, 8-7. to seven. As we mentioned on yesterday's show, the Dodgers have been bad against the Pirates in recent memory. So we didn't really know what to expect. But uh, the Pirates were at one point leading this game 7-2 to two at home. So it's a little bit disappointing that they weren't able to close the door. Um, you, you really want to see that out of a team that's going to be a, a strong contender. But it is early in the season, so they have plenty of time to work out all the kinks and everything. Certainly, you know, not in the worst place to be in first place. They are still in the first place, the Pirates. Absolutely. Um, it was a good game. I mean, it was a tight, even game. There was no better team or worse team. They they were evenly matched, and it was an interesting game. Chris Taylor had a three-run home run. He did. It was, uh, I think, the best of the season for him this year. I, I don't think he's been like on the top of his game because the Dodgers haven't been hitting as well as they used to be. So the power's been there for Chris Taylor, but he's batting only 163 in uh, 49 at-bats. That's not, good. not great. Um, I mean, he's a lifetime 250 hitter, so he's almost hitting 90 points less than his career average right now. But his power numbers are there. You know, he's got the five home runs. He's got the 10 RBIs. Um, I also think it's tough for somebody like him that doesn't see, like, super consistent playing time. We'll see what happens. They're going to need him because they got some injuries. Um, Yeah. I mean, the bigger story for the Dodgers, though, is this rookie, James Outman. You know, it's super funny because they don't, sell his rookie card is not in tops series one this year even though whether or not it should be um they they sell these like team sets of cards so they have like the los angeles dodgers they have the san diego padres they have just their team players right Mm -hmm. and lo and behold in the dodgers team set there's a james outman rookie card so it's like the only way to get the James Outman rookie card right now is through the Los Angeles Dodgers team set of just base base commons yeah and (laughs) I don't know if these are sold in local markets only or if they're sold everywhere if you can go to like Chicago for example and buy Dodgers cards or if you can go to New York and buy Padres I don't know if you can do that like if you can go to Florida and buy Mariners cards or if you can go to Seattle and buy Marlins cards I don't know Um, but it's funny to me because I've seen these Dodgers team sets trying to be sold for ridiculous amounts of money just because they contain this James Altman rookie card. If you look at his numbers right now, it's, it's hard to argue that 
he's not justifying the value because coming into the season, he only had 13 at bats in his career. So he now has 79 at bats this year. He's hitting over 300. He has seven home runs, 19 RBIs, a 1.109 OPS. I would kill for Juan Soto to have those numbers right now. I would be very happy with that. So, I mean, again, and this is a guy who's just kind of coming up, but he's, he's a little older too. You know, he's about to turn 26 years old in May. He's not a young man. Um, and like I said, he's only had 13 career at bats before this year, but he debuted last year in July. So hmm, keep an eye on him. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely off to a great start. You, you sometimes see this with not 30 year old rookies per se, but just the 25, 20 Aaron judge is a great example. Aaron judge was not 19 years old when he broke into the majors. He was more around the age of 25, I believe. And that's why you see him only now getting his first big contract when he's like 32 years old because he had to play out those six years from like 25 to 31, just like every other rookie does. Sure. Patrick Wisdom is another example. But guys that are that age that break into the majors are more mature than 19-year-olds, and I think that's why you see some of them do well. It's not that they're inexperienced. They've been playing the game this whole time. It's a mental maturity. They just weren't the flashiest guy in the pan, I guess. They weren't the flashiest car in the garage, I guess, when they were younger, but they've grown and matured into somebody that's reliable and somebody that shows up every day and somebody that takes pride in their craft and they're professional. You're right. We see that with not just the rookies that come up older, but even the younger players, when they mature, become uh, more reliable players. All right. Um, so the Dodgers beat the Pirates 8-7. to seven. It was a close game. Um, we'll be watching to see how that series unfolds. Moving on to the American League and the American League East, we had two teams riding hot, the, the Rays and the Orioles. The Rays lost at home, and they also went homerless for the second straight game. Uh, after I think they homered in their first uh, 22-something games. I don't know. Um, 24 games. I don't remember exactly. But they are, oh yeah, they homered in their first 22 games. And they are now 20-4 and four on the season. Not too shabby. But they were handed their first home loss last night. So that was one of the big streaks that came to an end. Yes, Astros dominated. Luis Garcia was really good last mm-hmm. night. Um, I saw he threw like 97 pitches in the game, and 45 of them were cutters. Yeah. That's he, a lot. He came out, and he was so surprised, like, oh, I did so well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He's like, that was a lot of cutters or something. Yeah, something like that. But then he was like, whatever works. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't as a tight game as I was hoping the Rays would put out. I don't think there's anything to be alarmed with about no. the Rays at this point. You know, no team is going to go undefeated at home for an entire season that's ridiculous thinking let's talk in a week i mean the thing that's interesting about the al east is that it's so competitive that it could just it could all change very quickly you know within a week probably the thing that's interesting is we'll see how long it'll take for teams to catch the rays or if they can just maintain this lead you know when you start the way that they've started if you put any other group of teams in their division other than these teams they would be out to a much higher lead than they are on the Orioles. You know, the Orioles just happen to have pretty much the second best record in the league. And that is true. They have only eight losses. No other team has eight losses. And oh, by the way, Toronto has nine losses and they're in third place. And the only other team that has nine losses is Texas in the West. So, I mean, 
that tells you we we've said it repeatedly this division's competitive you know the Yankees were just two games above the Blue Jays now the Blue Jays are two games above the Yankees it's like, a back and forth with those two they're duking it out in in third and fourth place respectively and Boston just continues to be playing above 500 baseball despite being in the cellar of that division that's the only division that all the teams are above 500 not every division can be like that because sure. but usually it's a little bit more balanced as well. And and if you look in the central, like only one team is above 500. So that's where the imbalance comes in. And the West is about right. You know, they have two teams above 500, two teams below 500, and one team that is 500. The, the central is really where the big imbalance is. And you see why, because of the, the White Sox and the Royals. Um, I, I don't even want to put it on the Tigers anymore at this point. <laughs> Tigers, they won two games. Hey, the Tigers are showing signs of life. Yeah. You know, after that near perfect game that they got out of their starter on Sunday, they they wound up losing that game, if you remember, to the mm-hmm. Orioles. But since then, they have now exploded, I guess, for two wins in a row against the Brewers. They knocked the Brewers out of first place in the Central. They did. Do you know how Javi Baez is doing over there? I know we always been hard I, on I've, him. I've seen him in the highlight reels a lot. Okay. He's been Better? on base a lot. He seems to be playing with more energy. He was called out by the fans, and they were, like, wanting him traded. He signed a seven-year, $140 million contract, so he got his payday. I was wondering whether they were trying to build a team around him when they he got traded, because that was a few years back when he got traded. Well, look, Javi Baez is someone I've been hard on throughout his career because we watched a lot of Cubs games when we lived in Chicago, and mm-hmm. I just never saw a guy that adapted to consistently being a, a hit the ball to all fields kind of guy. It's one of the same things I'm very critical of Soto and Machado about right now. Less Machado because I've seen signs that he's trying, but it's your plate mentality approach. Are you going to go up there and swing for the fences every time, or are you going to hit the ball where it's pitched? Javi Baez struggled with that. Absolutely did. Yeah. And and he, he shouldn't because... I've seen him hit the ball with power to right field. Oh, we know he has power. I've seen him do these things. He just doesn't do them consistently enough. And that is aggravating for somebody that's quote unquote got such a high baseball IQ. You know, I think he gets this reputation because we've seen him do like these crazy miraculous things on the field. There was that very famous like he he ran to first or something and like wound up getting all the way around the bases on some fluke play and he he's a very great defender you know no one's ever questioned his defensive ability I've just struggled with his plate you know, discipline and like yeah you know sliders low and away to Javi Baez is a great way to get him out <laughs> it always has been um okay the Orioles also had their streak come to an end last night. They scored five runs in the ninth and tried to come back against the Red Sox, but they were unable to do so. They dropped eight to six. Um, they are now, like I said before, 15 and eight. They have the second best record in the American League. And they are eight and two in their last 10 games. So not too shabby. Um, we'll see how things play out for them against the Red Sox tonight. They have two more games with the, against the Red Sox to go. One more game. Oh, one they more played game. Monday okay. against the Red Sox. So Thursday is I think a travel day for them. Okay. Today is their rubber match. Um so we'll see how they end up against the Red Sox. I haven't really looked at the preview. 
That's okay. There's going to be a lot of games today, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we've got a couple other quick notes to mention from last night. Uh, the Twins uh, beat up on the Yankees pretty good. 6-2 to two was the final. Um, the Twins won the first two games against the Yankees, and they have a rubber ma- Well, not a rubber match. They have a series finale today. We'll see if the Yankees can avoid being swept. Uh, because the Twins just won their first series against the Yankees in 22 years. Uh, yep. Byron Buxton said after the game he was six years old the last time the Twins beat the Yankees in a regular season series. So That's a huge accomplishment. Hey, great job, Twins. Way to get over that hurdle. Byron Buxton hit the go-ahead home run in the sixth inning. It was a 2-2 two to two game at that point. Joe Ryan pitched really great for the uh, Twins last night. And yeah, the Twins are in first place in their division, like we said earlier. Um, They've built up a three-game lead on the Cleveland Guardians, who are two games below 500 right now. And then Detroit is in third place, as we mentioned. They've won two in a row uh, at Milwaukee, which is kind of baffling. (laughs) That's an accomplishment for the Tigers. Yeah. Um, And then I I did want to spend one quick second talking about the White Sox and the Royals and and just ugh, the White Sox especially now have lost six games in a row there was a lot of talk that Tony La Russa was the problem in Chicago and while I'm not gonna advocate for Tony La Russa to be managing anybody at this point in his life it looks like they have bigger problems beyond Tony La Russa at this point and I don't know if he ruined those guys or what but this was a team that shouldn't be this bad on paper you know they should have been competitive they have Lance Lynn Lucas Giolito uh Dylan Cease they have three strong starting pitchers you know they have uh Yohan Moncada Luis Robert Jr uh they got uh, talent uh Eloy Jimenez you know they Mm -hmm. these guys were all world baseball classic players so they're they're looked at around the world with some you know profoundness I guess it's really sad to see the state of the franchise. As someone born and raised in Chicago, my father was a White Sox fan as a kid. I don't have a huge White Sox like love in my heart by any means, but it does pain me that they aren't competitive. It's a shame. They're just being mismanaged or something. It looks like it. And I think Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the team, he's also the owner of the Chicago Bulls. He has notorious loyalty problems, you know, just former players that become executives with the teams. And and then he just kind of lets them stay there despite their poor performance in their positions. I mean, like, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the GM. And it's and inexcusable to put this level of talent on the field. 7 and 17, you're in Chicago. You're in a major market. Like, And you're struggling. It's, it's, it's ugly, man. You should, be, you should be up there. Yeah, it's a shame, honestly. And Kansas City, they are just as bad. And I think... It's really disappointing for them because they have a lot of young players just like the Orioles do. And yet we're not seeing them kind of play up those young guys. They're struggling as a group. I guess every division has a team that is struggling. I'm looking at the standings. There's well, always a team that's struggling. I guess that's baseball. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, the Red Sox are a game above 500 and they're in last place. And they also... Uh, have a positive okay. know, run scored versus runs against. So they've given up less runs than they've scored. Except that division. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But not every division can be... As good? Great teams in it. Yeah. No, I mean, not all five teams are going to be winners. At the end of the day, half of the teams lose every day. Well, the last 
little note I wanted to get into was uh, Seattle beating up on the Phillies last night. Um, Jared Kalanick has just turned it around. I wanted to make a special note about Jared because he has been sort of a punching bag, uh, not just in Seattle, but in kind of across baseball. He really struggled in his first two seasons. And in fact, I think he got sent down to the minors both in 2021 and in 2022. For a whole season? Well, he started with the team and then was sent down and, and kind of like juggled it back and forth a little bit, but was never able to turn it around turn it around and now all of a sudden he has you know he, he's kind of come out of nowhere and just like sort of carried the the Mariners team a little bit with his his bat and it's it's good for him you know like I, I'm really happy for a guy like that because when you struggle early on in your career like he did it's really easy to see it just going the other way in fact I would argue it often does go the other way where the player just never is able to recover too much pressure, too much uh, in your own head. Yeah, yeah baseball's a very mental game. You know, yeah. you, you like you fail more times than you succeed. Everybody does. Uh, there, no one bats over 500. No. So no one has a 50% success rate. No, but all those losses that you do make, you should turn it around and think it as victories. Small victories lead to the bigger victory. This is this should show you the turnaround that he's made. In in his career, he has 573 at bats and he's batting 190 with 28 home runs. That's better than Juan Soto. <laughs> hey, now. Not in his career, it's not. No, I'm talking this season. Hold on. In Kalanick's career regular season numbers, he's batting 190 with 28 home runs and 78 RBIs. Sorry, 74 RBIs. And a 656 on base plus slugging. This year, he has 73 at bats. He's batting 342. So he's batting almost 150 points higher than his career average. He has seven home runs. So he has a quarter of the amount of his home runs are from this year alone and mm -hmm. like a tenth of the at bats, maybe. Maybe let maybe an eighth. I don't know. I have to do some more specific math, but 73 out of 573, you know, you do the math on that. He has a quarter of his home runs, and his on-base plus slugging is almost double. It's a 1.121. I want to see where he is in another month because I think we'll have a better idea of whether or not this is a permanent change in him or he's just on an amazing hot streak right now and he is going to come back down to earth to his career numbers. Maybe you know? he did turn it around. Well, you brought up the name, and the last thing we're going to get into and deep dive into again is uh, where we started a week ago. We started this podcast a week ago, and um, we kind of wanted to introduce why we were doing it at the time, but the, the only thing we really talked about that day was Juan Soto and his struggles and, and what I was kind of seeing at the plate from him. And unfortunately, in the past week, it hasn't really improved all that much, although there were a few signs of life when... Tatis came back. You know, I think the day we did the the podcast, he hit a home run against the Mets uh, that Wednesday afternoon. And then they, they started a four-game series against Arizona last week. Um, and I think on the Saturday game, he got a couple hits. And, you know, there was there was some signs of that life, you know, like the average was ticking up close to 200. And then, like, 0 for 4 again last night, the backwards Ks. The backwards Ks are killer. Yeah. It seems like it's more of a team-wide hitting philosophy sometimes. 
I, I see very few guys on the Padres like using all fields right now to hit the ball. You know, Kim, I, I can't remember the last time I saw him hit a ball to right field. You know, uh, Cronenworth, I do see use the field, the gaps more. Xander uh, Bogart does. He, he's been better, but a lot of his fi- hits are up the middle or to, to left field. But yes, he's been better. Um, I just am ready to see a different approach team wide at the plate. You know, like you're not going to be able to pull every pitch into the bleachers. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I get it. If you were playing home run derby, that's where you'd want the ball every time so you could drive it. This isn't a home run this derby. This isn't a home run derby. You know, like they're trying to fool you and trick you, and you got to start with that mindset. I mean, it's really early in the season still. You know, we're not even through the first month yet. Um, but we're starting to get close to 100 at-bats, and that's where you do have a large enough sample size to say this is a trend or not. Um, I'm not in love with the trends I'm seeing in San Diego right now with the team. Um, I want to point out a couple of positives. Okay. Uh, I feel like Tatis has looked really great. I know the batting average isn't there yet. He had less games. But he's not striking out like other players on the team are. He seems to be aggressive at the plate, and he's not just up there looking at and guessing. He's swinging at what's pitched to him. He might not be hitting it where he wants, um, but I think that will come. Sure, but he is aggressive at the plate. You can see he is um, approaching it a little bit differently than other players of that team. Absolutely. Um, And he looks really good in right field. I thought he looked really awkward in spring training a couple times, and I was like, oh, boy, he's really going to have to hit his weight to make up for his inadequacies out there. And then now the season started, and he just looks like even keel out there, like nothing phases him. It's all good. He made a nice sliding catch and was dancing a little bit last night, um, which I don't mind. I like to see him keeping things loose out there for the team right now. Definitely. And he made an adjustment. He made an adjustment to make the right field position his own. He owns it. And that is important because I feel like some of the players, they just don't do that. They just go and do whatever they need to be doing, but they don't own it. Well, when you have ego and when you have, obviously, the talent and the contract that a player like Tatis has, you could probably see it easy to get salty over, like, losing your job at shortstop, so to speak. But... um I'm with you. I I think he looks natural out there. I think he looks great. I think it's going to wind up being one of the best things that ever happened to him. And um, he certainly has a strong arm out there. He's going to learn over time when he can use it and when he can't because he's gotten accused of missing the cutoff man a few times. But nevertheless, uh, I like what I see out there. And the Padres as a team are playing really great defense. They make a lot of great plays like throughout the course of a game, and they keep their team in it. Despite all these hitting woes, they rarely lose games by blowout numbers. They really don't. They are, the defense is there, the offense not so much. No, and it needs a. I I really feel like it needs a philosophy change. Anyways, we need to talk about Blake Schnell. Okay. Blake Schnell pitched again last night, and he just looks. Ag- he's so aggravating to watch. Blake, if you ever hear this, or if you're ever listening, um, as someone who is a left-handed pitcher throughout their life at different points, I feel like Blake Schnell is aiming the baseball. And this is a psychological issue for him because he's inside of his own head. He He's like trying to aim the ball instead of trusting in his mechanics. 
and just letting his body do the work for him. Yeah. And one of the things that's most frustrating to watch about him, and it's a consistent issue, consistent issue, a consistent problem that hasn't changed season to season, is he's not economical with his pitches at all. He gets very high deep counts on hitter after hitter, full counts, two and two, you know, just not a lot of like one or two pitch, oh, ground ball, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, he labors kind of outs we make. He labors so much out there and it's just annoying to watch at this point. Why is there no adjustment? It's hard to watch him. It's really hard. I I cannot watch him. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like it, it's I, I go down and, and I sit down and watch the game with the best of intentions every time he pitches. And, and within two or three batters, I'm like pacing around the living room already. I'm like... You get antsy. It, it, you get antsy watching him because you've, you you almost feel his pressure wearing off on you. Yeah, absolutely. And and he looks rattled out there. I know like, he gets settled in like second inning or third and it goes smooth after that. I think it's really important to point out that the... Padres did not lose that game last night because of Blake Schnell. No. Um, and and to be fair, their first inning was like, uh, you could argue a series of bad luck. Maybe they ran themselves out of an inning. Basically, they should have had two runners on with nobody out, and instead they had two outs with nobody on. So, nevertheless, it, you can't let that stuff get to you as a pitcher. You just gotta pitch one batter at a time. If you give up a hit or a home run, like you gotta just literally like dust it off you off your shoulder and move on to the next batter. Yeah. You have to be thick-skinned. and the, These are the best hitters in the world. And they still don't hit 40% of the time off you guys. So keep that in mind. When they're Even when they're at their best, they can't even hit you 40% of the time. It's really mental analogy that you have to make it in your own head to justify your own pitches, you know, how well you do instead of going with the negatives just stay on the positive and it will probably help you in the long run this kind of leads to the last point i wanted to make on the show today which is that the league talent seems to be tightening across the board um i feel like there's been if you look up and down the divisions right now there's a lot of teams that are just like kind of near or around 500 and a lot of divisional races are very very close like within a couple games after the first month so Yes, it takes a while to stretch out from the pack, but I think looking across, looking at just the general records, 13 and 9, 13 and 12, 12 and 13, 13 and 11s, you know, there's a lot of evenly spread talent throughout the league. And I think that has to do with a lot of small market teams starting to step up. They've, they've grown some great talent in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore and Maybe even in Kansas City, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. You know, remains to be seen. They're 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 struggling, obviously, as a young unit. But even Seattle, Seattle, yeah, Julio Rodriguez is gonna be there for you know ten to twenty years. I think his contract is like it has a lot of stipulations, but I think it can go up to twenty years for four hundred and seventy-five million or some crazy number. It's a long time, and you can gather the fandom when you stay that long. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be an exciting year for baseball. I'm excited to watch these divisional races unfold and see who uh, is going to come out on top and be competitive. Just because Pods didn't win yesterday, we shouldn't mention the Cubs, our other favorite team, <laughs> did really well against them. The, it's it's the always hard when the Cubs play the Padres for us right now. Sure. 
Um, but, because we want to see the Cubs do well. Like I love their little mishmash team they put together this year and how they're kind of coming together. Yeah. Their pitching is top-notch right now. If you look at the pieces they targeted and how they've slotted them in with the pieces that they had, mm-hmm. it seems like they did a really nice job of putting together a team that is going to be competitive and probably looking like they're going to be an October team. Yeah, they do look like that. But it's a long way to go, and right now everyone realistically still has a chance, maybe except for, well, the A's. I think the A's checked out. They want to move to Vegas. The Angels did win last night. We're going to watch them again today and see if they can uh, finish off their series against the Athletics. Um, We do have early games today, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Having said that, I guess we should wrap this up so we can get this uh, episode posted and get it out to our loyal, growing fan base. Yay. This is uh, Kenny signing off over here on my end. And Nika. Thanks, Nika. Very vocal today. Enjoyed your uh, company. Thanks. And your analysis. No, thank you. Yours was always as good. It's getting there. It's getting better all the time, as the Beatles used to say. All right, everybody. Have a great Wednesday hump day, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Kanika Daily Baseball Podcast. Have a great day. Adios. Bye.